We're going to talk today, we're going to talk about the month of November. We're talking about being thankful. Last week we talked about the family, being thankful for your family. And, and tonight, today we're going to talk about being thankful for your church. And next week it's the world. And the final week in Thanksgiving, or, or the month of November, would be for God. So let's break this down and we're going to review a little bit. We talked about family last time. We said, there's, how, do you, how do you be thankful for your family? And I, if you remember me saying this, we all have some crazies in our family, right? We're all going to have those. We might as well acknowledge them and move forward, amen? Don't get stuck on that, all right? And then we said this, who needs to be thankful for our family? And when do we need to be thankful? You remember those? So we gave you a list of how you can be thankful for your family. The first one you've got to do is you've got to do it through Christ. Because that's the only way you're going to forgive them for what they've done, for you, done to you. Now, some families are all good, but there's always, in my family, it seems like there's always good except about 10%. You've got to overlook it. You've got to overlook it. I told, I told the church last week, if you don't have any crazies in your family, you're probably that one, amen? You need to be thankful for where you are, but you can only do that through, through Christ. And then you have to use kindness. And when you have kindness, guess what follows after kindness? Peace. How many of you want peace in your life? I do. I'm thankful for peace in my life. And who is supposed to be thankful for their family? Oh, that's easy. Everyone is. And when are we supposed to be thankful? All the time. We're all going to go through things, and we need to make sure we're thankful for who our family is. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. To the book of Matthew. And we're going to talk about the church this morning, and we're going to be thankful for, for, for what we can be thankful for in the church. I want you to pray for two specific families. Of course, we need to pray for the Bishop family. Keep them in your prayers. It's nice to have Kelly's mom here with us this morning. She's over there sitting by Kelly. You keep her in your prayers on Monday. She's going to go in, and they're going to give her some medicine. On Tuesday, she's going to have a little baby Reagan, and we'll give you all the details about that later. You pray for them, and also pray for a family that you've, you've met since I've been here. Um, Brother Shirley is candidating a church tonight, today, this morning, up in Ohio. And it's this one where they're going to vote on him, and, I, and he thinks he'll get the vote. And he took up his family members. He has a father-in-law. His, his wife's father went with him, and, and they're in poor health. So they took him up there so they could look at some houses. And yesterday when he got up there, he had a, um, he's got dementia, he's got some other issues, but he had a spell and shut down. They had to rush him to the hospital. And so they took him to the hospital, they gave him medicine, it act, he, the medicine reacted to what he was doing and it made it worse. And they finally got him normal by the end of the night, but he's up there with people that he doesn't know and, and it's a, a different situation. So just keep him in your prayers, his family, as they go through today and that the Lord will do what he wants to do in that situation. So we are going to look at the church. How can you be thankful for the church? What's the church? I'm going to answer these questions up here. Um, the church. What is the church? Who is the church? And when do we need to be thankful for them? So often, people get confused of what the church is. This morning, the devil does everything he can to discourage you. Amen? It's going to the men's retreat. I kind of shared this with my Sunday school class. Going to the men's retreat, and I lost my glasses on the way over there. So now I have my readers, which that means I don't have the bifocals. I need to get some bifocals again, but I don't know where they were. And then... On the way there, my phone started acting up. I, I didn't realize it wasn't working, and I kept calling Ray and my wife. I'd push the button, and it would, it would stop. Ray's nicer than my wife. Ray just sat there. My wife, after about calling her ten times, said, texted me and said, please quit tech calling me. 
It's not like I was doing it on purpose because she knew my number would come up every time I called, but I didn't know it was working. I just kept pushing it. I think I called her 10 to 12 times, praise the Lord, and, um, and now we figured out my phone does everything right. The only thing my phone won't do is receive phone calls and send out phone calls, but other than that, it works great, so praise the Lord. Um, you say that's funny, but there's a lot of things you can do on your phone. I could check my emails, I could check my bank account, I can text people, I can do all these things. And then I went to, and the devil's trying to discourage you, and someone said, well, you need to go over, and I talked to my carrier, and they said, well, you need to go over and talk to Apple. My carrier blamed Apple, my Apple blamed carrier. So now I'm kind of back in the middle. I will get a new phone hopefully by tomorrow. But the Lord tries to do everything he can to discourage you. And don't get mad at the guys in the, in the sound room when something messes up on the screen like something happened this morning. It was supposed to do those words, and our computer has a mind of its own. And you can sit there and try to get discouraged. We were getting ready for church this morning. You don't know this. But at about 8.45, all of a sudden, an alarm goes off. I'm blaming Daniel. Daniel's blaming me. Our fire, we had, a, we had a, one of our units out here did something and was smoking real bad. One of our brand, it was our, I think it's our brand new one. And it threw smoke over here, and so all the fire alarms went off, and it was, it's sound, it's piercing sound, and it's going off all over the building, lights are flashing, fire trucks come, and when the firemen got here, I said, well, you know what, at least everybody in our neighborhood would be up for church, amen, so it's going to be okay. <laughs> and so, and I did learn something, I told Denver, you know, I was, I was running around not knowing what to do, and this thing says words to you, and it clarified some things, because it said in case of a fire, don't ride the elevator. So I got off the elevator <laughs> and I found a way out. You know, you can look at things and get discouraged real quick. And the firemen were walking around in here and, and just, just to talk with them. You know, they're doing their job. But Satan's doing his also. And he's trying to do everything he could discourage you. And, and, and um, Daniel said, well, good, everybody. I think you got here, Denver, before they left. But they were taking, out that, taking apart that unit. shut off now. And, and so, you know, the devil does everything he can to discourage you. Don't let the devil discourage you. We need to be thankful for what God's done for us. Um, when I look at some of these things and you look at what is it, the church, and who created it, and... And when should we be thankful? Let's look at the first one, what it is. What is the church? What's the church? What we are not. Here's what we're not, and I'm going to give you two things. Number one, we're not a building. If Satan destroyed this building, we'd still be a church. You know what else we're not? We're not a location. The only thing the church does with the location is it gives us our address, 246 Hilton Street. But that's not what the church is. When, G, when, when Paul writes and says, listen, husbands, love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church, it's not the building. If you had a prayer request, now think about this, this is how you can prove that it's not the building. If you had a prayer request, let's say, um, Sybil calls us and gives us a prayer request, and I put that prayer request on a piece of paper, and just stick it on the wall in, in my office. And not share it with anybody. Well, she called the church. No, she called the church phone number. But the church is you all and me. That's what it is. Sometimes we get confused. Well, I go to church here. You know what? I can have church anywhere as long as I'm with God's people. Amen? Amen. 
And don't misquote me on that. I'm just saying we are the church. And so when there's prayer requests, and there's prayer requests in this building, the church prays, not the building. And I know it's obvious, but we've got people that had uh, um, surgeries this week. I know Phyllis had surgery. I think Dorcas has surgery this week. Um, Kelly's going to the hospital. We've got a lot of people that have surgeries. And so we don't call the church, put the name on the wall, and then it's over with. And let me tell you this, church member, if you tell people you're going to pray for them, you better pray for them. My last assist, associate pastor in my last church, I remember one time, I, I wondered why he did this. A, a person walked up to him and said, would you pray for me for this? And he said, yes. And he instantly prayed for that person. Bowed his head, and I think we were in a, in a congregational thing, and we had to wait for him to get done. He came back up. After the service, I said, well, why did you do that? He said, because one time somebody asked me to pray for him. They came back a week later, and they said, did you pray for me? Thank you for praying for me. Everything went well. And he went to him and said, I've got to admit, I did not pray for you. How often do people tell you to pray for them? That's what the church is about. I mean, the bishop's going to need prayer this week. Brandon and Shasta are going to need prayer this week. They're driving back from, they went to a football game yesterday and they're driving back from Georgia and they need prayer as they travel. We all need prayer and that's what the church is all about. It's not a building, it's not a location. What it is, what we are, are people. Now the problem lies with this. Is there anybody in here that's perfect? Anybody want to raise their hand and try that one? Because if you are, I've got some questions for you. The problem is that we're people and we're not perfect. So you know what imperfect people do? Imperfect things. You ever lay anybody down in this room? Wow. I have. I've been here for two years, I'm telling you. I've let people down. I will say this to the church, I think you have been above and beyond what most churches are when it comes to thankfulness. I'm thankful for this church. I can get Kelly and Daniel to come up here and tell you how thankful they are for you from last week. You know, the first thing I asked Daniel, I said, how did it go? And he went home and they had that shower, um, that silent shower. And the first thing he said, he said, I was just thankful that Landon got stuff. Landon got a dinosaur taller than him. It's about two foot tall, is that right? No, Landon's taller than that. So, um, but, you know, you, you look at all these things and, and you did such a wonderful thing. God has been so good to us. And that's what church is all about. You know, I, I, think, of, I think of Kelly, Daniel, and, and, and Landon. I always think of that, story, that, that, that um, poem, Footprints in the Saints. Because when they found out they were pregnant, they, they, they were footprints in the sand. There were all eight of them. There was the, the three and then Jesus walking along. And then when they found out what happened, you only find two in there. Because Jesus is carrying them. And what we have to do is we have to help. That's what church is all about. As we look at these, um, what are we? And um, we are people. Now the next question is this. Who are we? Who created this? Well, it's very simple to see who created this. Look in your Bible, Matthew chapter 16, and I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 16, 
and verse number 18. Now, some people get somewhat confused with one of these verses, and I don't want you to get confused. I'll explain what it means. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus answered said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but by my Father which is in heaven. Then it says this, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, don't get confused. This is not Peter being the rock that the church is built upon. This is Jesus, and Peter's going to help with the church. Our rock is Jesus. Our rock is Jesus, amen? Isn't it great to have a solid foundation? What happens if you don't? Read, we keep reading on this. It says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what? Peter didn't ha couldn't say that. He couldn't do that. In fact, at the time when Jesus needed him most, what was he doing? He was denying Christ. Later on, he would realize how God was going to use him, and God can use you in a church. Well, we've got to figure out who started this, and who started the church, and who is it founded upon? It's founded upon a rock, and that rock is what? Christ. It's Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let's look at another story that I'm thankful for. Go back in Matthew a little bit and go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I, and I want to say this to you. The church is not who the, who, who the preacher is or the personality of the church. The church is Christ himself and the foundations are laid through him. Because if you build it on a personality or you build it on a, on a pastor, your church will crumble. Three of my favorite preachers in Bible college are no longer in ministry because they thought they were somebody. I remember the one I, I saw, I was, I was a, a, a youth pastor out in California, and, and he walked up to me, and, and I'll, I'll never forget the attitude I saw in his eyes. Bernard, he was not looking up, he was looking down at me, and, and he said to me, he said, um, my son is coming to this youth um, activity, this youth conference you're having, can you make sure he's taken care of? And I was like, sure, I'll take care of him. So what's his first name? He told me his first name and, and, and um, he said, and he told, me his, he, he told me his full name and I said, I know who you are. He said, I just, I wanted, he, he said this to me, he goes, I just want to make sure that no one treats him bad because of what I've done. I said, brother, he's going to have the best youth conference he's ever had. So I found out who he was, and he was a, I think he was a junior or senior. And I took him, and he didn't know this, but I put him in the front line of everything. I made sure he got double portions wherever he ate. He's a big old boy. He's a football player. First of all, I wanted him to be on my side, amen? And secondly, I wanted him to know that God still loved him no matter what his daddy did. Men will fall, but Christ won't. And I'm so thankful in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that we have a rock that this church is founded upon. Because let's look at the other verse, and you know this. Go to Matthew chapter 7 and look at these verses. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. Let's kind of lead into it. It says this, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. 
And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. They keep reading, and everyone that heareth these sayings, sayings of mine, and doeth not them, shall be likened to a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and, the, and beat, that, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What's interesting, you say, well, this is about a person, but it also can be an aspect of what a church is. If you don't build the foundation right, guess what? I remember Denver talking and some men talking about how they built the foundation in here. There was a bunch of stuff here. How many trucks did you have to take out? A lot. And not pickup trucks either. And when I, when I went out there and I was walking around the building, there, I was thankful for the building God's given us. But it's not all about the building. But if this building itself did not have a good foundation, what would happen? It'd fall. I had the privilege of going to Myrtle Beach this year. You know what you can do at Myrtle Beach? You stand out where the water comes in and stand up and stand in the sand. Just let the water keep coming out and forth. You know what's going to eventually happen? You're not going to be standing there very long. Because you know what it's going to do? It's going to erode from underneath you. You're going to fall forward or backwards. Now, if you do that in front of a bunch of people, they're going to think something's wrong with you. Because you don't have the foundation that's set upon. How many of those houses, Phyllis, are built on stilts? A lot of them. They don't just put the stilts a foot in like we would do here. They go down until they hit something hard. It's called a rock. It's what the church is built upon. And Jesus did this in Matthew chapter 7. He illustrates and says, listen, if you build it upon the wrong foundation, it'll fall. You say, well, why is this so important that we have the right foundation? We should be thankful that God created it. And why? Let's go, to the, let's go to this one. When? When should we do this? When should you be thankful for church? All the time. Johnny, when you need a prayer request, who do you share it with? Your wife? You share it with the church, if you can. There's strength in numbers. When should you be thankful for the church? All the time. Look at this next one. When should you make a difference in someone's life at Bible Baptist? Man, you should make people's lives change. Don't be grumpy. We get enough of that out in the world. Well, if you show it on your face, do some research of what the Bible says. What Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. He said, what, what, did, the, what did the scribes and Pharisees do when they, were, when they were fasting? They shut it on their face. Because they, be, they wanted to be more spiritual than us. Don't show, we all have, anybody got a, not, not, not have a problem in their life right now? Raise your hand if you do, because I've got a few I can share with you. Right? We all have problems. And so we've got to understand that in this, we should be a blessing to other people. You don't understand what, I, I know everybody goes through problems. And there's going to be times when we're down. But you know what? Bless God, we need to understand who's in charge. Of this. Who built this church? God did through the foundation of the rock in Jesus Christ himself. And when should we be thankful for? When, when should we be thankful for? All the time. And how should, we, how should that affect our people? I'm not saying that you have to whistle all the time and everything has to be great, but God sure is great to us, isn't he? I want to show you something real quick. Let's look at these real quick. I'm going to let you give you about two minutes to read all these. 
There are 11 things listed up there. Now, I'm going to read them through quick. I'm going to ask you one simple question. You're going to see if you can answer this. Good steward to be faithful. Whole armor of God. Fruit of the Spirit. Sowing and reaping. Put on a new man. We are ambassadors for Christ. Approving things that are excellent. I can do all things. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forth. Pressing toward the mark and thankfulness. You know they all have one thing in common. Anybody know what it is? Do you know what it is? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll get to it in just a second. There's a list of 11 things, and they're amazing things that we can study. But what do they have in common? You know what they have in common? Watch this. They're church epistles. All those 11 listing, Bernard, are found in the church epistles. We might call them the Pauline epistles because Paul wrote them, but all of those things were found in a church epistle. What does that mean? What it means is, is the church should be exercising this aspect. See, sometimes we say, okay, it's for me, and it is for me, but it's also for us as a group also. Now let's look at that list one more time. Let's look at the first one. The first one is this, a good steward to be faithful. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's a great thing. Amen. I've got to hear Mark. Amen. Mark. All right, there we go. All right, a whole armor of God. The church is supposed to put on the whole armor of God. This is found in a, in, in a church epistle. It was written to a church by Paul. So what's the church supposed to do? Put on the whole armor of God. Keep reading on this next one. The fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Well, I get the long-suffering being of the church, but love, joy, and peace, what? Man, we're supposed to do that, aren't we? That's what God wants us to do. That's from a, that's from a church epistle. Sowing and reaping. There is a preacher, I'm not going to say who he is, but he is a well-known preacher down south, and he's one of the most miserable preachers I've ever met. He's, he's, he's not happy. He's not, he doesn't go and greet visitors. He does not like people. And I had a friend that went to his church, and he told me, he said, he asked him, he said, why do you, and I've got some books in my office that he has written. I don't agree with everything that he wrote, but he asked me, he said, why do you not go talk to people when they come visit the church? Because they need to be in church anyway. Well, that's a real friendly environment, amen? Mateo, if I had that with you, would you come back? No. You know, you got to understand, you sow and you reap. Whatever you put into it, you're going to get back. If you come to church expecting a blessing, guess what? You're probably going to get a blessing and you're probably going to share a blessing. But if you come in there and go, man, he doesn't say anything. You don't like the song service. I don't like Daniel. I don't like Kelly. I don't like Mrs. Wagner. I don't like Larry Hilton. And I definitely don't like Denver. <laughs> you think you're going to get a blessing from the service at that point? You sow what you reap. I love it when people always tell me, well, it's just not friendly. You just want to, when someone says that, you want to have a mirror and go, look at that. We sow what we reap. Look at this one. Put on a new man. As a church, we need to be different. Keep reading. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives who Christ is, this church is. Approving all things that are excellent. And then that, that verse that everybody knows, I can do all things through Christ with strength of me. That's a church epistle. Church of Philippi. Paul writes it to him. 
And he writes it, guess what? When he's in prison. I can do all things through Christ's strength in me. This next one, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. This is a church epistle, meaning that Paul wrote it to a church in general and said, you need to do this. Pressing toward the mark. And the last one is being thankful. Go to, go to um, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to look at one verse in here. Well, we're actually going to look at the very end of the verses. 1 Thessalonians. How many of you are, are thankful for Thanksgiving? All right, and I'm not just talking about the food, men. I mean, just thankful for what God's done for us. He's done many wonderful things, hasn't he? All right, let's go to 1 Thessalonians, and this again is written to the church of Thessalonica, and I want you to look at the very end of it. If you mark anything in your Bible, write some of these verses down. If this is written to a church, tell me what verse number 16 means. Brother Birch, when are you supposed to rejoice? Evermore! What does that mean? All the time! I see some of you smirking. Oh, I, can't, I can't rejoice all the time. That's ridiculous. You know what one thing we don't say at our, at our house at, at Christmas time? Bah humbug, because I love Christmas. Amen. How many of you, now I'm going to get the real, I'm going to see how honest you are in here. How many of you like to get gifts for Christmas? I'm, wait, I'm, I'm looking around. Mandy's going. It's her humble spirit, praise God, all right? So, but how many of you like to get presents? Amen? I love getting presents. Riley loves to get presents, amen? Mrs. Birch put her hand up. Was that their bad hand too? You can put your bad hand up or you put your good hand up? Okay, both hands up. I'm telling you, we like to get things. Let's just be happy with it. Man, when we, we go into November, we think about thankfulness, things we can be thankful for. Your red card is things you're thankful for in the church. And I'm not here to put you say you put pastor's name. I don't want my name on that. But write things down you're thankful for. Your friends. Your friends you can share prayer requests with. Your friends that you can share what God's done for you lately. Your friends that when you know you have a prayer request, you can give it to them and you'll know they'll pray for you. That's what it's all about. But when you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says rejoice evermore. And this is to a church. You say, I can't memorize verses. Memorize that one. It's pretty short. Look at the next one. Pray without ceasing. What's that mean? Constantly talking to the Lord. And look at verse number 18. We'll end it with this one. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then I think it's very interesting because the next verse says, quench not the spirit. I am not about God's going to bless you if you, do, if you do everything. He's going to bless you financially and He's going to give you everything you want. Because you know what? That's not how it works. But God sure wants us to be happy. He wants us to have joy in our life. This list in 1 Thessalonians is for a church. We're going to look at two verses. You don't need to turn to them. They're going to be up here on the screen. But I want you to see this. Philippians 4.10 says this. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. You know how you can show someone, remember the reaping and sowing, you can show people that you're thankful by being thankful for them. Paul is writing this. This is a church that's done many things for him. The church of Philippi he loved. 
And again, this is one I told you that he wrote when he was in, when he was in prison. But it says this, at the very end it says, but she lacked opportunity. You know, some people say, well, how can I be thankful? How can I be thankful for the church? How can I be thankful for the people in this church? How can I be thankful for this congregation? You know what? You've got to find an opportunity. Ray, you're, you're one of the most giving people I know. You know what you look for? You know what I love about you? You look for opportunities. And you look for opportunities in bunches, amen? I mean, he, if he finds something, he says the church needs it, he'll buy a hundred of them, Amen? And, and I love that. I mean, we got hot dogs in the kitchen that Ray's bought for us. We got mints that we use. And you know what? You guys are the most mint-eating church I've ever met. <laughs> you don't think that's true? You talk to Terry about it. She gets dirty looks at people when the, when the mint thing's out. She said, you wouldn't believe it. And I said, well, Dorcas will get over it. Just keep going. Amen. But man, you got these mints and they fill it, it'll be empty. And we'll fill it up again tonight. It'll be empty. Now I think it might be those little Templeton boys that are running around putting them in their pockets. And they're not too short from the Easterling boys back there either, amen. We've got to see that we've got an opportunity. Now I want you to circle this next verse in your Bible. This is one of my favorite verses as a church. It's written to a church. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. I want you to circle this verse. I want you to circle, don't circle it all. I want you to circle one part and then circle the next part. Because when I look at the first part, it says this. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Paul is writing this church in Galatia. He says, listen, when you have an opportunity, you know what people look for? Opportunities to take, take, take people out. Or they look for opportunities to get an advantage on people. Do you not think that's true? Here's what you do. Here's how I can prove it to you. When you're walking at Walmart on December 24th and you've got your cart full, just walk slow to the cash register, see how many people cut you off to get to the cash register. It will happen. You know what those things are on the front? Those are shin guards and they work, buddy. You no, don't do that. But anyway, you just want to do that. You want to go after people because they don't care about other people. But this verse tells me, Paul writes it, as we have therefore opportunity. God will give you opportunities to be thankful, but sowing and reaping, you've got to give them opportunity and be thankful for what they are. Then it says this, let us do good unto what is the next word? Oh. You know what that means? Even the people you don't like. Let me preface this real quick and we'll be done. There is not one person, my worst enemy, and I don't have any enemies. They, they, some people might think I'm their enemy, but if I were to take the person that disliked me the most, I wouldn't want them to spend one moment in hell. Not one moment. And there's no reason for them to spend one moment in hell because Jesus died on the cross for them just as much as He died for me and He rose again just as much for them as He did me. Don't wish that upon anybody. We and Americans will flip, people will flippantly say that to people. They don't even realize what they're saying. But the Bible says this, it says, as we have therefore opportunity, let's do good unto all men. We're supposed to be good to all people. Why? Because when we're good to people, especially those that don't like us, 
shows them what, what Christ really was and how Christ can really change you. But you know what I like about this? He writes this to the church of Galatia, and you know what the last part of the verse is. Turn to it. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I love that part. You know what that tells me? That I'm supposed to be good. I'm going to pick, pick on Bernard. I'm supposed to be good to Bernard. But you know what? I'm especially supposed to be good to Bernard because he's in this church. It is amazing to me how some churches split over the dumbest things. Isn't it sad when you hear a church split over a color? Oh, they changed the color of that carpet. Well, can I say this is a church congregation? If we change the color of the carpet, you can't blame me because I can't see colors. Amen? I, I personally don't even know what colors these are. Are they, what color is the pews? Green? Oh, I thought they were gray. Okay, what color is the floor? Blue? Green? I don't like green. You're, te I'm, I'm gonna just, you're telling me this is green. Okay, that, that, I thought it was blue the whole time. Um, there are people that get so upset over little things. This is my area. No, this church was built on a rock. And Larry, this rock is Christ. And that's what church is all about. We're all going to have different ways of getting things done. You could find something wrong with the cleaning, I'm sure. Right? You can find something wrong with when we do commu uh, uh, communion service. You can find something wrong with the piano. You can find something wrong. Don't do it. Throw all that stuff off and understand that this church is not based on opinions or personality. It was based on a man that died on a cross for us over 2,000 years ago. And he died on a cross for us, for this church, and he wants us to be thankful for what he's given us. We need to pray without ceasing. Amen. Have a humble spirit. Never give place to the devil. In all things give thanks. Because he gives us opportunity. What are you going to do with it?